You are listening to a sermon by Tanner Sherlock. Visit chialphashatternstate.com for more info. All right, going to give uh, a super quick sermonette. I know you guys have been listening for a while, and uh, you guys are just getting back from break, but just ask that you would follow along for just a little bit longer. Um, to uh, to kind of start out, um, how many of you guys have been on a trip where you stay at a hotel and the only thing you can think of while you're at the hotel is, man, I wish I was home. Yes. <laughs> Just when the bed sucks. Well, recently, as a part or being a missionary, my wife and I travel a lot. And uh, on our most recent trip, we uh, it was actually a personal trip, but on our most recent trip, I can remember thinking five seconds. I mean, it was maybe closer to five minutes within walking into the hotel room. No, about five seconds. I walked in. It was in Colorado. It smelled like pot. And immediately I thought, I wish I was at home so I could go to bed in my own bed. And I know this is going to sound stupid, but I wish that when you go to a hotel room that they gave you cups that held more than two ounces of liquid so that you could get an actual drink of water without having to take like 15 shots of water in order to even feel like your mouth sweat. I wish I was home so that I could have my big 32-ounce red cup of water to rehydrate. Yes, it is a red cup. You can ask Courtney. It's a red cup. I have three of them. I alternate and clean them. No. Uh, but anyway, this wasn't exactly a, a, a super high-class hotel, but it, was, it wasn't a terrible hotel. But I can even remember staying at some of the three, four, five-star hotels I've been at. Even at, at the resorts, I can remember thinking, you know, at some point within that trip, I wish I was at home so I could have my pillow. I wish I was at home so I could have my bed. I wish I was at home so that I didn't have to pay five bucks for a, a half of a peanut from the vending machine. But it, it, at some point throughout a hotel stay, if it's more than just overnight, especially if it's more than overnight, at some point throughout that stay, I think at least briefly, I wish I was in my own bed or I wish I was home for this reason or whatever this reason is. C.S. Lewis will say, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And so, in this world, we often can feel that way. We often can feel like, man, I wish I was home. Man, man, I wish. But sometimes we don't know necessarily what that void is. And so, within this world... We can fill it with things that the world can provide, the things that the hotel can provide, the, the, the two-ounce cup of water or the $5 bag of peanuts. The world provides things like success, fame, fortune, sex, drugs, fancy cars, big houses. The world provides these things And yet, the whole time, there's a a void within us that is just yearning for more, yearning for something else. And what that yearning is, is because we weren't made for this world. We were made for something more than what this world can offer. And so until you find what that void is, until you find what that hole is within you, that void within you that this world cannot fix, until you find that, you will constantly be searching for more and more and more. 
If you find fame, you're going to search for more fame. If you find success, you're going to search for more success. If you find money, you're going to search for more money. It could be temporary, temporary fixes to a much, much bigger problem within ourselves. So turn in your Bibles to John 14.1. John 14.1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. Take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So to give you guys a little bit of context of what's going on within this piece of scripture, what's, what's behind the scenes of what's going on right here. You guys know that feeling of when it rains, it pours. It just seems like snowballs into another. But that feeling like everything in the world just, just came crashing down, and it just seems like everything's going to continue getting worse. Because you're just, you get to the point where you're just like, what else is going to go on? You know, am I going to get another flat tire? Is my engine going to break down? Is it going to continue hailing? Um, you know, whatever it is. But it just feels like everything just keeps getting worse and worse. Well, for the disciples at this point in time, Jesus is talking to them. And I guarantee that as, upon him finishing this sentence, they felt exactly that way. They felt like there was nothing, there was nothing else that Jesus could have said right there that could have made it feel more like when it rains, it pours. When things are getting worse, they're just going to keep getting worse. And the reason for that is because basically what, what's going on is the disciples are saying, hey, you came to us, you, you, you told us that you're the Messiah, you told us all of these things, and you've been teaching us, and you've been guiding us, and you've been bringing us on this path. We're fully invested into you and what you're trying to say. But there's a catch here because the Jews at the time believed that Jesus was going to be a conqueror, that he was going to come to earth and he was going to take over the, the countries around. They, he was basically going to raise up a kingdom for Israel, a kingdom for the Jews that they could have back and that they would basically conquer the Romans, conquer, conquer everybody, the Philistines, conquer everybody that had conquered them before, that basically believed that Jesus was this person that he was going to be a military genius and he was going to come and he was going to bring them back and give them back their own country, give them back their own home. And what Jesus is saying right here, if, if, if you're following along, Jesus is saying the kingdom isn't on this world. What you believed, what you've believed your entire life through reading the Old, the Old Testament, reading through scriptures, at the time they didn't call it the Old Testament, but reading through the scriptures Everything that you've believed is completely wrong, and I am no longer going to be in this world to lead you. So not only are they finding out that, hey, the kingdom isn't in this world. The kingdom's after this life. Not only did they just learn that, but they also learned that Jesus isn't going to be here for very much longer. And he's going to be leaving to that kingdom and they're saying, I was fully invested in you. I was fully, fully ready to go. What are we going to do now? What else could go wrong with this picture we've painted of what the way it should have been? Continue in verse 5. Thomas said to them, I love Thomas. Thomas doubts. But at the same time, Thomas doesn't just go along with things. You know, he wasn't just, hey, Jesus, yeah, I'm going to believe this is Jesus because I want you to be Jesus. He's saying, no, 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 I, Jesus died. Prove to me you're Jesus. 
You know, I guarantee a few of the disciples were probably thinking that, but, but Thomas said what he really wanted to say. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? It's about as real of a statement as you can make. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to do all of these things, and Thomas is replying with, how are we going to know? There's no way we're going to know the way. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. About four weeks ago, my sermon was about who is Jesus. And I laid down the groundwork of, of who Jesus really is and who Jesus really was and what he really represented and what it really cost him to come to earth. That he came to earth from heaven to die, to be risen again for our redemption. And so here, we're a little bit obviously before he died. And Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm building a future. I'm building a house. I'm building a kingdom. I'm building a home for us that is not in this world. This is the same earth. This is the same world that we live in today that the disciples were in back then. This is the same planet, the same earth. And Jesus is saying, this is not your home. Jesus is basically telling them that not only is this not your home, but what I'm going to do, what I'm preparing to do, is even greater than the things that you thought I was going to do. He's saying, the things that I'm going to do are going to make it so that I can bridge the gap between this world and the world you were created for. He's saying, I have to leave so that I can establish that bridge so that you can see the Father. So that you can make it to the home that I have prepared for you. See, Jesus was the only man in the history of mankind that truly was righteous. Jesus was the physical embodiment of righteous. And yes, he was fully man and he was fully God. So Jesus was the only fully man, the only man on this earth who is fully righteous. Scripture tells us that there is no other on this earth in the history of this earth that is righteous other than Jesus. And so what I'm saying here is it's not a curve. It's not graded on a curve. And somewhere up here is Jesus. And then a little bit below it is the Pope. And then a little bit below that is your, your pastor, your youth leader, your church pastor, your campus pastor. A little bit below that is your 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 uh small group leaders, your leadership within Chi Alpha, your friend that really loves Jesus. And then a little bit below that is you. And then a little bit below that is, you know, somebody that you led to Christ last year. And then a little bit lower is people who didn't believe in Christ or don't believe in Christ. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, or that's not the way it is. The way it really is, is on a scale of sin to righteous. Jesus is up here, and everybody else, you, me, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your pastor, the Pope, are down here. Same level. We are all on the same level. Jesus, the rest of us. We're not even on a, on a curve to his righteousness. I don't care how much you love Jesus or how much your, your, your GPA is a 4.0, you're still down here with the rest of us. Isaiah says, 
all of my righteousness, all of my righteousness is filthy rags. There is no man-made righteousness. I don't care how much money you make, how good you are at sports, your GPA, outside of Jesus Christ, outside of God, outside of the Holy Spirit, there is no such thing as man-made righteousness. We can only be righteous as man, as, as human beings. We can only be righteous in Jesus Christ. We can only be righteous because He is righteous. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. Now as believers and non-believers, it can become really easy to grade ourselves according to the next guy. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a a sibling, maybe it's a a parent, maybe it's a pastor or whatever it is, or, or some bum on the street that doesn't know Jesus. It can be easy to grade ourselves according to them. So I have a little bit of a test for you tonight. Of whether or not, and even if you don't think you are, even if you truly believe that you put your righteousness and, and you believe that Jesus is what is righteous, I'm going to have a little bit of test for you to figure out if you're building up some man-made righteousness in your life or within yourself. Because man-made righteousness, eventually, I don't care how perfectly you put the pieces in the puzzle together, I don't care how perfectly you do it, it will turn its back on you. I don't care if it's that, that multi-million dollar house, that the nice car, the picket fence, the, the beautiful spouse, the three kids and a two and a half dogs. Chihuahuas are not a dog. They're a half a dog. If you want, you tell me a chihuahua's a dog, set it in front of a cat and we'll find out. But I don't care how meticulously, how perfectly you place this life in and how you build it up around yourself, how, how perfectly you've built it, it will turn its back on you and eventually you are going to have to lie in order to obtain that amount of righteousness. Eventually you have to come up with some sort of a false narrative about how perfect it is and how amazing it is in order to stay at that same level. If you put your righteousness in grades and your grades slip, eventually you're going to have to put on a happy face because your happiness is no longer found in your grades. If it's in money, eventually you're going to want more money and you're going to begin lying about how perfect your life is because the other parts of your life aren't exactly amazing even if you have all the money in the world. So when we put our righteousness in Jesus and we view Him as righteousness. And truly putting our righteousness in Jesus. Truly putting it in Him. Not a, a, a set of commands I've kept. A, a going to church every week. A going to Chi Alpha. A going to small group. Not, not the religious aspect. Truly in Jesus Christ. When we've put our hope, our salvation, our life in Jesus Christ. When we've put that into Jesus Christ. We don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to pretend that I'm happy. We don't have to pretend that my life is perfect. We don't have to pretend that I have good grades. We don't have to pretend that I'm not struggling, staying happy, that I'm not struggling with depression. We don't have to lie anymore about that stuff. 
because you're not trying to portray a picture that isn't really you when you've put your righteousness in Jesus Christ. When you have taken all of the, the spotlight off of yourself and you're saying, I am not righteous, Jesus is righteous. When you've put your righteousness in Him, you no longer have to pretend about things in your life because life is hard sometimes. And for some of us, life is hard a lot of times. And so is the life that you're building, this structure, this, this temple that you began putting together, whether it's through your degree or, or through your athletics or through, through your relationships, is your entire life and your foundation one little stone's throw away from crumbling? One bad breakup away? One broken leg? One failed test? One failed class? Is the life that you've been building just a tiny fraction of something bad happening from crumbling around you? And maybe for you, it's already crumbled around you. And you're sitting here saying, I I don't know how to pick up the pieces. I don't know how to to begin rebuilding this empire that I had built. I was happy three years ago. I don't know how to go back to that. The only foundation that you can build your life around that will stay standing that will stay intact, that will never forsake you, will never turn its back on you, is a foundation built in Jesus Christ. So like in the story I started out with tonight, when we travel and we begin to yearn for home, we weren't made for this world. We are always going to be looking for something bigger, something better, something greater. And I can tell you, there's a secret. I know the one who is greater than all the things that you're thinking of. I know the one who is the greatest. He's better than the money, better than the, the drugs, better than the school, better than, than the, the, the spouse, better than whatever life you're thinking that you need. I can tell you there is something even better than that. Because when you begin to put your investments in things that are of this world, and you're investing that money in, in temporary things, eventually you're going to begin to feel a little bit like a frog. You feel like, I'm not really as good as, as other people think I am. I'm not, my life isn't as together as, as, as I pretend it is. And I'm not as wealthy as I pretend I am. You begin to project an image of what you would like to be or what you think people would like you to be. And then projecting that image becomes even more draining than the world really had a hold of you before. That didn't make any sense. But that image that you're projecting, it begins to, be, to, to get harder to project that image the longer you're trying to project it. And projecting that image tears you down and spits you out even faster than you were before just trying to project that image. But if your righteousness is in Jesus and you screw up, Jesus is still righteous. If your righteousness is in Christ and you, you fail and you sin, Jesus is still righteous. If your righteousness is in Jesus and you're caught in depression, Jesus is still righteous. And that's why I can stand before you and and in all honesty share my testimony of when before I was a Christian, I was an alcoholic. I had spent time in jail. 
I struggled with a lot of things that this world has to offer. And even now that I've given my life to Christ, I still struggle with sin. I can stand in front of you as your pastor, as somebody who in our world a lot of times we try to think is perfect, and I can tell you with 100% sincerity that I am not even close to perfect. But Jesus still is. Because I've put my foundation in Jesus. And me telling you about Jesus is more important than me trying to project an image of perfection to you guys. See, when Jesus says, hey, I know your life sucks. I know things are hard right now. I know you're, you're sick of putting this false image in front of you in order to, to try to look better to other people. I know that things in this world can be hard. I know depression is hard. I know all this, this stuff, this crap in this world sucks. And he's sitting here telling you, I have another way. I have another path. This is the way. If we go back to the verse I read, these are Jesus' words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know the Father. Jesus doesn't mince words. Jesus means what he says. And what he is saying is, he is the way. And he is the only way. He's saying, there's joy, there's freedom, there's righteousness, there's redemption, there's things of this world that we can't achieve, and there's only one way to achieve it, and that's to submit ourselves to the one who was those things, the one who is those things, and the one who always will be those things, and that is Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that you need to just know of Jesus and you need to... to, to believe that he was a, a figure that existed and, and yeah, he really did exist and believe he really existed. You need to truly believe in him. Because if you truly believe in him, you truly believe the words that he said. You believe the things that he taught. You believe the things that he stands for. The things that he stood for back then. The things that he put in scripture. And one of the things that he asks us to do is to submit ourselves to Him. Give up my own righteousness and submit it to Jesus. Give up my idea of the way my life is supposed to look and submit it to Jesus. Because it's not about a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not about a religious obligation, showing up to church, showing up to Chi Alpha. If you believe you're going to get to heaven because you showed up here tonight, I'm sorry to tell you, that's not what it's all about. It's not about the checklist of things I feel like I need to do in order to be a better person. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is about a relationship with God. It is about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is about giving ourselves over to His righteousness. And our identity no longer being in ourselves. Our identity no longer being in the sport I, I participate in. The grades I get the fancy car I drive, the money I'm going to make when I graduate college. It's taking our identity away from ourselves and putting our identity in Jesus Christ. And I know that can be a lot easier said than done sometimes. But when we begin to give ourselves to Him, submit ourselves to Him daily, you begin to grow deeper into your relationship with Him. You begin to know His voice better. You begin to understand what he means when he says things in Scripture. I know some days you don't want to read your Bible. Some days I don't want to read my Bible. Some days I don't want to pray. Some days I don't want to spend time with God. But loving God isn't doing so 
just on the easy days. Loving God is doing so even on the hard days. No, especially on the hard days. Sometimes loving God can be really hard. I know some days when you're just mad at God. You don't understand why things are going the way that they're going. You don't understand why so-and-so is sick, why so-and-so passed away, why I'm struggling with depression, why I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. And you can begin to get mad at God. And I'm, I'm standing here in front of you and I can tell you, I've been mad at God. As a Christian, I've been mad at God. But you can be mad at God and still love Him and still be in a relationship with Him. I can be mad at my wife and still love her. And still be in a relationship with her. And I'm telling you that you can be mad at God and still be in a relationship with God. Because I know some days it is hard to say, God, I know your way is better than mine. I know your will is better than mine. And I'm going to submit myself unto you. Some days that can be tough. But in order to give ourselves over, to take our identity out of ourselves and give our identity to Christ, sometimes we really have to make those decisions and humble ourselves and say, I know I feel like I'm right here, but I'm going to admit that I'm wrong because I know God, I know your will is better than mine. And I'm going to submit unto you. Because once you can release yourself and once you can submit yourself and, and truly submit yourself fully, and this is something that you'll probably have to do, I will probably have to do many times in my life, have to reevaluate my walk and say, am I submitting myself fully into you? I mean, daily. Am I submitting myself fully into you, God? I can say when you begin to do this and you begin to do it more frequently and, and, and with more purpose, you begin to, to see God's purpose and God's path and, and, and what God has for your life. And sometimes it can take a lot of time before you can look back and be like, hey, I see what you were doing with this, God. But if we can submit to him, he is saying, I am all the righteousness you need. And when you've truly submitted to him and his righteousness, there's, there's something that happens that I know every single one of us in here loves to feel. Because when you submit yourself fully into Him and to His will, you have freedom. I know that sounds contradictory. I'm going to submit myself to you and it's going to give me freedom. But trust me. Don't trust me. Trust God. Trust Scripture. When He says, submit yourself to me, not me, God. Submit yourself to Him. There is freedom. There is love. There is relationship. And the more and the better that you get at submitting yourself unto God and unto Jesus, the more your freedom grows. The more your love grows. The more your relationship grows. You're running out of time. It's not too late. Whoever's that was. But when you can do that fully, you begin the process of what we call sanctification. Your process of sanctification is going to go until you're dead. You will never fully be sanctified. Because Jesus is sanctified. I cannot be Jesus on this earth. But my path of sanctification, my, my growth in Christ, continues to grow the more I submit to Him. The more of my life I submit to Him. The more of my time I submit to Him. The process of sanctification grows. And doing it out of love for Him, out of respect, out of fear, but not necessarily out of obligation. 
I'm not giving you an obligation to show up at church every single day, to show up at, at Chi Alpha every Tuesday. Uh, to, I'm not giving you an obligation that you have to go to youth group, or not youth group, uh, small group. But if you attend them out of love and you grow in that, the process of sanctification continues. So tonight I ask everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes. I know I've been doing this a lot lately, but I just feel like I couldn't close this sermon without doing it. And so tonight, if, if you're here and you know you have not submitted yourself to Jesus and you've never submitted yourself to Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to be in your righteousness. And you're here tonight and you know I'm talking to you right now. You can just feel it. So I say you would raise your hand. I see your hand. And I want to say... The reason I'm asking you to raise your hand isn't because there's something huge and something powerful in, in raising your hand, but what it is, it's a first step of submitting yourself. It's a first step of recognizing where you are and where Jesus is. And that, that when you raise your hand, that it's not the, the end of, of, of your life or it's not the end of your process of, of learning about who Jesus is, but it is merely, in reality, the very first step. You can put your hand down. I'm going to give an opportunity for you tonight. If lately you've just been struggling, building your own empire, and tonight you're just asking God, tear down my empire, build your empire. If that's you and you know I'm talking to you, raise your hand. I see your hand. And so tonight I'm going to take it one step further, a little, a little more, a, a little bit further than that. If tonight you're saying that you have not been a Christian, if you haven't been living like a Christian, maybe sometime in the past you had given your life to Christ. At some point in the past you had submitted yourself to Him, but lately you just haven't been, and you've been really struggling with that. And tonight you're saying, I would like to rededicate my life to Christ. I would like to rededicate myself to Him. I would like to resubmit myself to Him. If that's you and you know I'm talking to you, raise your hand. I see your hands. So tonight I'm going to ask that you guys... If you raised your hand, or if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask everybody to pray along with us and repeat after me. Lord, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died for my sin. And tonight, I would like to submit myself to you, or I would like to resubmit myself to you. Please tear down my empire so that you can build yours in my life. Lord, I pray for your will over my life. And I ask you would show me that. And help me walk out that will. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Like I said, for you, those of you guys that raised your hands, all of a sudden everything isn't going to be you know, perfect and, and amazing and then everything in your life is going to be hunky-dory. But I am going to say that the pressure to be perfect will be off your shoulders. And that there is joy, there is peace, there is love, there is acceptance in Jesus Christ. And so if you raise your hand tonight, even if whether you are giving your life to Christ, rededicating your life to Christ, or just saying, I've been building my little kingdom and I want to come back to yours, no matter what, if you raise your hand tonight, just remember that it's not an end-all. Tonight isn't necessarily an end-all of the things that you're struggling with, the things that are going on in your life, but it is the first step. And so if you raise your hand, I want to encourage you, if you need to talk to somebody Come find me, come find my wife, come find one of the small group leaders. Um, 
if you guys are struggling. Yeah, I guess I don't even actually say this very often, but every week we leave New Testaments on the back table and a, a Why Jesus pamphlet and a, a Searching Issues pamphlet. Um, those are free for you guys to